everyone. Welcome to an Amstrabulous edition of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who, much like the subject of this week's show, started out as underpowered, underutilized, and underappreciated, but in recent weeks has risen up to be a powerful figure in retro gaming. I give you the Brent. I'm not powerful in any manner. Well, I tried to throw you a bone there. You get what you do with it. What a dipstick, <laughs> folks. So, last week, if you joined us, you saw that we spun the wheel, but we did not make the deal. We made no deal. Well, the deal was made for us. That's right. Our fans, our buddies, our comrades, our partners in crime. Or at they, least the folks that showed up in chat. That's right. They made the deal. And what did they decide? And think about this, Brent. In the pantheon of retro gaming, retro computing, they demanded one system. One system. And it's as timely as today's headlines, Brent, I might add. We're going to be talking this week about, you got it, the Amstrad. Yes. More specifically, Amstrad CBC. Brent, uh, you weren't around when we saw the Amstrad the first go around. Of course, chat choice. You get to pick anything. We've covered it. And that was me and the boat. Uh, so this is your first go around with the Amstrad. It is. What, 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 what are your uh, opening volley of thoughts on the well, Amstrad? This was something I, a computer I've never touched, I've never emulated, I've never played with, uh, and mainly because I never had a reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, since I grew up with the C sixty four, when I go back and play that era of games, I play C sixty four games. But uh, taking a look at some of the Amstrad stuff mm-hmm. uh, this week. I'm going to have to start actually looking into this a little bit more and playing a little more games on it. Yeah. Some of them are very interesting, and I can already tell, uh, you know, it, it does go to both extremes. There are some really, really bad games, and there are some really fun games. I think the Amstrad was a, uh, and of course, uh, I can always say this from uh, what I've read and what I've seen what I've played, but the Amstrad to me seems that was the victim of portitis. It uh, was. It, it got the it got the quick and dirty ports, and you and the ports seemed to play down to the uh, lowest common denominator often, and so what you got really, I think all almost all the uh, the uh, British systems suffered from portitis, and of course, uh, portitis went on to other <laughs> it, <laughs> countries yeah. and, and and consoles and systems. So since you weren't here for the first go we're going to do a, just a quick brief uh, review of the Amstrad. So uh, Brent, the Amstrad came out. The CPC answer we're talking about here. Right. In 1984. That's correct. Right, 1984. And they ran this sucker until 1990. You want to take a guess? Just I know you have no idea, but just for fun, how many of these bad boys do you think were sold? I will say 2 million. 3 million. That's not bad for you, man. Uh, now, uh, the majority of these were loading stuff off of tape. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we talked about it before the show that the Amstrad had a couple floppy drives, and it had this crazy three-inch floppy drive that I've heard was garbage. <laughs> but having not used one, I couldn't tell you. It looks like it's got a pretty good little keyboard on it too. I was pretty impressed with that. I noticed uh, that uh, your game this week asked if you had a green monitor. Yes. I thought that was an interesting way <laughs> to put it. Uh, but I guess yeah. I guess these sold. Uh, with a green monitor and with a color monitor when they right. when they first came out. Now, uh, 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 the introductory part price all the way back in uh, in '84. Uh, you're looking at with them with the green monitor. All you need is monochrome. Right. Hundred hundred ninety nine pounds. Yeah. And then that's equivalent today of what about six fifty? It it it'd be it's you know it's not bad. And now with the color monitor. You're looking at three hundred pound, two ninety nine. Oh, that's not bad. Upgrade. So hundred bucks extra for that. I'd probably go ahead and, and do it and go with oh splurge. Go with the yeah. green. 
Um, so uh, Amstrad was founded by Alan Sugar, the famous Alan Sugar, if you know who he is. Uh, and he was 21 years old. And the the, the name, I, now I'd forgotten this, this is clever. The name of Amstrad came from the Alan Michael Sugar Trading. Amstrad. Yeah, kind of neat, eh? Yeah. So that's, that's the way you do it. Um, so we're here, by the way, if you're watching the video, this is uh, Alan Sugar's uh, hometown here. We, we, we just plopped ourselves right down in, in the middle of the street. <laughs> Now you look through some of the games to this, Brandy. What, what did you? What was your? Uh, what was your take on, on what you saw? Well, like I said, you could tell that uh, some of the games on the Amstrad were absolutely rushed to market. Yeah. Uh, port it, scam it, clone it, whatever it took, just yeah. get it out there. Uh, and those games really <laughs> pale in comparison to some of the other stuff out there. That and some of the games that I looked at uh, were were pretty good. Yeah. They were pretty good. They were, uh, uh, well, I'll get into it during my segment. Yeah. Um, but I looked at all the rolling games, and uh, and they, it, I think it really is a telling timeline of garbage to good that the Amstrad has. You know, uh, being Americans, we can only comment from afar on, wh- on what we've seen. <clears throat> so I will say this, with, and given that the, uh, this could be a misconception, but uh, we hear a lot of love for the ZX Spectrum. Absolutely. And I don't hear nearly as much about the Amstrad, not until no. recently. Now, this is not an indictment of the Amstrad. This is just a, from my perspective. So I don't know if this is the, what, what it was like over there at the time. So, no, I 100%, I 100% agree. So I mean, the reason why I never looked at this beforehand was I didn't even know it was a thing. Right. So, And you may not know this, Brent. It's, it's pretty famous, but... <laughs> Uh, on April 7th of 86, uh, Amstrad announced that it bought Sinclair Research. And this was a, huh. this is when they bought, which included the, the Spectrum, uh, for 5 million pounds. I would definitely have thought, not knowing what I know now, <laughs> yeah. I would have thought that would have been a, the reverse. Yeah, yeah with that, see, that's exactly. Uh, and so it's always, it always struck me as odd. And now, uh, from what I've you know, I've seen enough films and read enough to know that uh, uh, part of the problem was that uh, Sinclair went off and some, did some really crazy stuff that cost the company a lot of money. Right. You know, so I mean, crazy awesome, but still <laughs> crazy. Um, so get this: when Amstrad bought uh, Sinclair for five million pound, they made more than that just selling off their surplus stuff. Huh. So they were setting on more than five million pounds. So that must that's have, crazy. That was a, it. Was like we're getting the heck out of here, uh, uh, type of type of numbers there. So, uh, and and that's a, and that's the way it went down. And the Amstrad went on to uh, you know they kept making computers for a while. Ultimately, uh, just like the Amiga and the and everything else. Ultimately, the PC ended up taking yeah. taking the day. But uh, when you look through, I, and again, I've only played a few Amstrad games, and they were and they were all for this show. Uh, the uh, truth of the matter is, is, as I look through these games, there's some good-looking stuff in here. They've got a, it's a very nice, colorful palette. Oh yeah, uh, and, it, and and it seems to move at a good clip. And I think that uh, uh, if you would have gotten past the porting problems, uh, I think you might have had a, a, an extremely capable system here. I uh, also think this had a bit of market flood. You think there's too much going on? I think there were. I think there were good and bad games. Yeah. And, and you know, when you don't filter out your bad games and it gets in the hands of people, and it starts getting that stigma. I think you might be right. Uh, and so again, I would love to get hold of one of these. And I was telling Brent that to uh, to play my game this week, I had to actually 
uh, get in there, and it was no just hit the button and make it work. I had to right. get in there and lo- learn how to load stuff off cassette, learn how to do directories, and it was actually pretty fun, to be honest with you. I actually enjoyed because I'm a geek, I don't know what to tell you. I was in there, uh, hitting, uh, hitting cat, and getting, uh, and learning how to run stuff, and uh, you know. It, but it was, it was neat. I, 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 I kind of like that stuff. And it seemed like a pretty capable, you know, OS. And clearly, like I said, as, we, as we've looked through some of the games, they, they could do a lot of good stuff. So I think, oh, maybe, absolutely. You know, yeah. I would say this thing was probably. I mean, you've got your. If you think about eight bit in the UK at the time, all right, you've got your. Of course, you've got the Spectrum, you've got the C64, uh, you've got the the uh, Dragon uh, machines, you've got the uh, 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 you've got a few others that yes. were a little you know that were contenders in there, uh, and this one was was you know sort of you're right I think maybe we just got overwhelmed a little yeah. bit I don't and I don't know how, I'm assuming I don't know what the numbers were as compared to the other ones to be honest with you but I know it, I, I think it was like a, a, a in third you know of the between the Spectrum and the and the uh, uh, C64. C64. So, all right. With all that said, now we we had a look uh, at the library of this, and I have to say, I, I knew instantly what I was going to play as soon as this was picked because it was too timely not to, uh, uh, Brant. But you had to nose around. I did. Yeah. yeah. And so you ended up choosing something. I have to say, I'd, I'd heard of the name of the guy, but I'd never heard of any of the games. Well, and that's why I picked him was I saw he was on multiple games. And I thought, I gotta find out what this is about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get let's go ahead and kick it off. What do you got for it? Oh, well, I chose to take a look at Roland Goes Digging. All right. And before we can really get into Roland Goes Digging, we have to find out about Roland the character, who is based off Roland the man. <clears throat> There's so, a man named Roland. There is. A legitimate actual man? Yeah, in fact, we'll go ahead and talk about Roland the man first. Mm. Roland Perry was the uh hardware engineer. On the Amstrad. Okay. And I, I mean, he did the whole nine yards. He uh, uh, went to bat on the uh, chip that went into the Amstrads. He, he, he makes a big point of this. He didn't come up with the design, the physical layout and colors and stuff. Of the, he said, that's not me. That's a designer's thing. I am a, I am a hardware engineer. I get all the chips and put them together, and and that's a major computer. And one thing about this guy is he had to go and find all these chip manufacturers in secret uh, because they didn't want uh, the Lord dude. Help me out, Aaron. The Lord dude. The the Amstrad main guy. Sugar? Yeah. They didn't want him. He didn't want other people knowing what they were doing. Right. So he had to make up a name, and he went with Arnold which is actually one of the software engineers, uh, and pitched this idea that they needed chips so they could go around and get prices and stuff. It was all, it was all him. So he did, I, not only did he design the actual hardware, he went out and made a lot of the deals that uh, ended up getting the Amstrad made. So he was a very, very important figure. All right. And that is why they made... Uh, Alan Sugar said, you know what, we're going to have a main character mascot, and we're going to name him Roland after you, because he did such good work for the, no for kidding. the, for the company. And uh, uh, Roland actually uh, was not a big fan of this. Um, <laughs> you mean not of the game, or, or any game, or him oh, being in of, a game? Of, I think he didn't, he didn't like the... Uh, 
the name use. I mean, it wasn't that he didn't want to his name being used. He just didn't want to be a character in games. Man, I'd be uh, all over that. <laughs> Come on, Roland. So we have to take a step back and look at all the games that he was a part of uh, before we focus on Roland Goes Digging. Uh, first of the list in 1984 was Roland Ahoy. And this was had Roland as a pirate. And he, you would go and you would steal cannonballs and then you would shoot your way into a, a fort and you would steal uh, their treasure and then take it back to your island and you'd have to fight all the way. It was a, it was a multi, it was a map overlay screen with enemies and then each individual thing, like when you were stealing cannonballs or going into the fort, it was its own little game. All right. Um, it was okay. I, a lot of people hate this game and I don't, quite understand why it was kind of boring yeah um because it, it, it was very repetitive all the scenes are basically the same dodge the projectiles get what you need come back but i thought it was actually a pretty good game uh rolling on the ropes <clears throat> i never got this one to actually load up but i want to talk about it uh it is more of a uh action adventure game where you're exploring tombs to collect treasures and ammunition and map pieces until you eventually climb out of the tomb and go to a new tomb. Mm. Uh, looked like it ran and played really well. Uh, this is probably the top of the rolling games, and this also came out in 84. Then you have Rolling in the Caves, also 1984. And this <laughs> wow. was, this was uh, based off a game called The Flea uh, that was a Spanish game. And uh, you jump from... You have this incredibly leaping ability that allows you to jump from platform to platform, and you're trying to outrun enemies to get to the top of the cave and escape. It didn't play well. It didn't look great. Uh, it didn't sound very good. Now these I, were these were all made by different people. These right? were uh, Roland Ahoy was Computer Smith. Uh, Rolling on the Ropes was Endocomp. Uh, Rolling in the Caves was also Endocomp. And then they had Rolling Goes Digging, which is by Jim Software. I'm going to skip that for now since we're going to talk about it in length. Uh, after that was Rolling Goes Square Bashing by Darrell. <laughs> this is a puzzle game uh -huh. where you have squares on the screen, and once you touch the square, you have to move on to a new square, and the square behind you disappears. All right. So the puzzle aspect of it is you have to maneuver around to get the right pattern, so you get all the squares cleared and since you can't backtrack it has some of this isometric 3d sort of perspective which kind of made it confusing yeah um but it, it sounds confusing but it was okay it was okay i don't think it was any great feat but it was okay then you have the infamous 1984 rolling on the run by epic soft yeah this game is the dirt worst <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so the, bad? The graphics are fine. Yeah. The sound effects are okay. Uh, but absolute worst game play there is. You have you control a train, right? That you can speed up and slow down. Yeah. And then you have two lanes of traffic going in either direction. And you have to jump into the back of a truck and then jump into another back of a truck going the other way until you finally get to the other side. So, so it's like, sort of like hobo. Well, <laughs> it's a Frogger related hobo related this, game. This is it, you're right. It's sort of like <laughs> if hobo had no powers. Uh, the the little man that you control is just horrible. He's really hard to uh, uh, get to do. 
I mean, you hit the button, he jumps, but the perspective is sort of this not quite, it's, it's sort of isometric, but not really. Yeah. Um, so getting the jump to the other thing is just really bad. Really, really bad. And it's universally hated. It's not just <laughs> That me. one sounds kind of interesting to me. Uh, and then you have, in 1995, Rolling in Time. Yeah. This was another one by Gemsoft, which also made Ghost Digging. Yeah. And this is basically a uh, uh, Jet Set Willy type game. Yeah. Run around. Each room has its own theme. You collect the items and you go to the next room. Yeah. Um, and, and its big thing is you go into a telephone booth a la Doctor Who style, yeah. and you, you warp around to the levels. Makes sense. Which, of course, when you, you know, you go to different time periods. And then 1985 saw the sequel to that as Rolling in Space, where instead of jumping from time to time, you jump from planet to planet. Yeah. And it's sort of doing the same thing. It, uh, it's a more updated uh, Jet Set Willy, uh, you know, minor Willy type game. And... It was by far the biggest rolling success. Oh. It, it actually uh, uh, did okay. The very last rolling game was in 1985, which was one that they put in a magazine that you just typed in the code. Oh, yeah. You did all the time. Uh, it was yeah. a type in. And that was Roland Takes a Running Jump. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it was sort of a Jet Set Willy type game, but it was really hard and really hard to control. My and God, it, how long did it take to type that in? <laughs> Uh, I looked and looked Jet and Set looked. Jet Set huge. Yeah, well, it's uh, this might just be a one-screen game even because no one's. I, I couldn't find footage past the first screen. Of course, I wasn't going to type it in. So, God, so they, in, in like just a couple of years, how many of these rolling games they make? <laughs> they're cranking these things like they were going out of style. In, including the type in? Nine. Nine, <laughs> Nine games. That's and, the way you do it. And, Flood the market with your mascot. And here is why... <laughs> Uh, and this is the last aspect of the role in the character I want to talk about, and then we'll move on. He, this is the worst thing you can do for a mascot. He didn't keep the same appearance. Yeah. He didn't keep the same skill set. He didn't keep the same genre of game. He was literally anyone who wanted to use the Roland name could just put it in their game, and, and, it, and it was basically fine. You're I, kidding me. <clears throat> so, you can, so we can make a Roland game. Well, I, I mean, I. <clears throat> If there was an approval process, I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was at a time when Amstrad was desperate for people to develop for their game. Yeah. For their system, at games for it specifically, and they needed a a hook to say, you know what, we're real, we're for real. You're not going to make your game and sell it to four people. We're going to really go out there and kill the market. Look, we've got this mascot. You can even use him type of affair. Now, did Roland appear on any other computers or consoles? Well, the uh, Roland on the Ropes did get ported to uh, the Spectrum, Commodore, and PC. Ha! <laughs> no kidding. So, Roland does exist in all so other they, But systems. it was ported by other people, since that's the type in one, right? No, no, no. Roland on, on the Ropes. Which, on the Ropes? That, that's the, the tomb So he Actually, so their mascot got, uh, sort of like Bonk. He got he got hooked up on other machines. <laughs> that's crazy, man. But, of course, unfortunately, like I said, Roland was really a mascot in... Name only, no yeah. aspects of him transferred into other games, and that's really you can't do that for. Can a you mascot, imagine if Nintendo, opinion. for example, got so desperate for you to play on their system and for people to make something, they just said, "Listen, here's Mario. We're just gonna offer him up." 
Yeah. Can you imagine what would have been done to that guy? Look well, at the crap on the CD. Yeah, I was about ready to say. <laughs> so you can imagine. That's that's bizarre. What a story. What so a out of the Roland games, uh, before I knew what Roland was all about, because going back, I would have picked Roland in time. But I had, I got Roland Goes Digging. I was wondering, was there a specific reason you picked this one or just like the name? It, I, I just I saw the list of Roland games. I said, yeah, I'm going to pick a Roland game. This I'm sounds digging. better than going into space or time. Roland Goes <laughs> This is the lamest sounding one. That's like Roland sits around drinking uh, coffee. I, I don't think Roland take, takes a running jump is going to beat that. That sounds outstanding to me. <laughs> that sounds great. So, in Roland Goes Digging... <laughs> the, Go ahead. I'm sorry. The, 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 the story was this is so obscene. Okay, I'm going to read it verbatim from the old book of It must here. be good if you're going to read it because you hate that. Roland is working on a building site and has discovered a gang of aliens trying to take over his unfinished structure. The foreman, a sensible man, has offered a bonus to Roland to clear the building of space squatters. Roland... <laughs> Roland, not sensible at all, has taken his spade and has set out to supplement his meager income. Your task is to guide Roland and help him obtain a fat pay, pay, a fat pay packet. An alien can be killed if it falls in a hole, blah, blah, blah. And then here's the, the ending part of it. It's because they have to explain why there's a time limit. Uh... The aliens are plant-based, yeah, and they eat up the oxygen. So if you don't clear them out of the building fast enough, they eat all the oxygen up and die. But the foreman likes oxygen so much that if you do it quickly, he'll pay you for all the remaining oxygen in the building. I am like that foreman. I, I too, enjoy <laughs> oxygen and wanting to pay for his presence. So that is the story of uh, Roland Goes Digging. The actual gameplay is Space Panic. Yeah. And I don't mean it's kind of like Space Panic. I mean, this is Space Panic. Uh, Space Panic is an arcade game that I believe came out a few years earlier where you... Uh, it's considered the first platform game. It is. Yeah. Uh, you basically dig holes, and <clears throat> when an alien walks over the hole, it will fall into it. And at that time, if you fill the hole back in, you'll kill the alien. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the exact same way it works here. Uh, Roland will dig holes with his spade. An alien falls in. If you don't get the hole filled back in in time, the alien climbs back out and becomes an angry alien, uh, which at that point he has to fall through two holes. Well, actually falls through the first hole into the second hole. And uh, then you have to run down there and fill it in, and you'll kill them that way. Basically, if you get angry aliens, reset the game. Because getting them to fall in two consecutive holes is so difficult. And it's some, in the later levels, you have they start out angry. Uh, but it's so difficult that it, it's game-breaking. It's game-breaking in Space Panic, too, that has the same rule set. Um, this controls fine. Yeah. It looks fine. It sounds fine. Um, it's Space Panic. If you like Space Panic, uh, mm -hmm. this is a fine rendition to play on your Amstrad. If you don't like Space Panic, th this isn't going to change your mind because it is a 100% ripoff. You know, do, do, do you like Space Panic? I am. I understand and enjoy the concept of Space Panic and will <laughs> load it up on MAME 
uh, you know, once every six, seven months. I I think I was introduced to this, I think, and uh, uh, Curtis, if you're listening, you might be able to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a Space Panic port on the Coco. That's where I think I first played it. Uh, if not that, it would have been... Uh, I don't think I ever saw it in the arcade, but I was familiar with it, right. you know, because it had a rep, too. And uh, um, it, it is a difficult game. Yes. Uh, and it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's got... You could tell they were beginning to learn some different game mechanics, but they weren't quite there, you know? Uh, and so uh, it's one I would play, but it was I always found it quite difficult, it uh, is. to be honest with you. It's a hard game. And so when I rolled into this, this game's actually a little bit easier than the arcade version and uh, for a couple reasons. One, you can... It's got variable. Uh, you can slow it down if it's too fast. Yes. You've, got, you've also got your uh, your when you dig, you dig fast. I found it like you dug pretty fast. Yeah, you. T- it takes less digs to get a hole yeah. completely emptied out. Yeah, I think Curtis said color panic. That's the one I was thinking of on the on the Coco, and so uh, uh, I noticed that uh, as I recall, and we talked about this before the show uh, in the arcade when you get an alien in your hole, you have to sort of rebury him with several button punches on this one you sort of have to not throw one pile of dirt on him and, he's yep. go, and he goes uh, i found the aliens one you know the biggest my here's my biggest problem with this game uh, uh and my biggest problem is it's goes from like you're screwed to you're bored very quickly yeah. <clears throat> because to do anything to do well at this game you sort of have to anticipate aliens about I mean, you have to get some holes ready yeah. you know what i'm saying and then at that point, you've got to sort of wait until the aliens wander into your hole. You can't trick them into going into the hole. You can't chase them and go into a hole. They just sort of fall in the hole. They do seem to neander. Right. That's true. And then and then and if you get down to like one alien and there's a lot of board up there and you're kind of and you there's no camp in your holes at that point. You sort of got to go up and just try to hope he'll go in the corner for a while and you can dig a hole and he'll come back out and he has nowhere else to go because yep. he'll. I, I can't say that they actively avoid the holes, but they sort of don't go in the holes because yeah. it's sort—I of, guess it's sort of random. Now, all that said, I did like the fact, like I said, that you could that you could change the speed. I also like the fact that you it gave you that color choice. I thought yes. that was funny. Yeah. I mostly, I, in fact, I, uh, the video we're looking at now, I actually put it up. Is I, I mostly played the green version. I don't know why. It just struck me as funny. Uh, but uh, the. Uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, the best part of this is when you bury an alien, you get it. Literally shows you money. Yeah, you, you get you get paid. You get, you get it's like two pounds or whatever. So, so I can understand why Roland is motivated to get these to get these suckers knocked out. But I mean, you're right. It is a space panic game for all yes. intents and purposes. Oh yeah, it's a good one. It, yeah. It's multi level. It's nice. It moves. Roland moves well. Uh, mm-hmm. And the sound is, you know, it's okay. It's nothing to write home about. Uh, but uh, it's, it doesn't bring anything new to the table that I saw, with the exception of the money situation, which was that was kind of funny. Right. And, and, and it it's just Space Panic. So if you like Space Panic, this is the game for you. It's a good home version. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's no big. I, and I don't know if they actually had a, a, a licensed Space Panic on this, uh, on the Amstrad or not. I can't imagine. <gasps> I mean, why would you need it? If I'm you not sure. If, I wonder if Space Panic got any official ports. It'd be interesting to look into. I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, it's funny, a couple shows ago, when I, we were playing a game that had a palette that was just like Space Panic and it was killing me trying to remember this game. And then, sure, <laughs> sure enough, a couple of shows later, here comes this Space Panic hones in the view. Um, but yeah. 
It was okay. Uh, it, it was it the best thing I ever played. No, it it didn't do a whole lot for me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, what did the users think of this? Because I know we got a couple <sighs> user reviews on this game. We did. Uh, uh, let me pull them up here on the uh, Gambletron. While you're doing that, uh, if you're thinking, man, Roland goes digging for the Amstrad, sounds like the best thing ever. I've got to have it. Uh, you can find it on eBay uh, for about nine British pounds. That translates to about eleven and a half U.S. dollars. So it is out there for anyone who wants to acquire it. We had a couple people actually send interviews this week. That's unusual. So our good buddy, the Dunk, Duncan Styles, our good friend, uh, writes, uh, if, it had, if I had been given this game with my brand new CPC, then I wouldn't have been impressed. Thank God I was given Sorcery Plus and Amsoft Grand Prix instead. This game moves and plays well enough, but it's a very basic type of game that I would have avoided back in the day, 6 out of 10. I think that's fair. Uh, our our good buddy, the perennial reviewer, Graham W. Vebke, writes, I enjoyed being asked if I had a green screen, <laughs> maybe more than the game. See, Graham and me, kindred spirits. It attempts to be a Loadrunner-style clone, but the alien enemies are mindless and run almost always on set patterns except when they look like a tomato after falling into a hole. Dig holes and hope they catch them before they get mad and refill the holes to kill them. Give me Horus on the ZX Spectrum. I said it ZX Spectrum as a mascot in any day, 4 out of 10. So, I and I'm guessing, I'm fair. guessing Graham has some, probably hasn't played Space Panic. Again, it wasn't a widely... I mean, I know oh, about no. it, but, yeah. you know, yeah. there you go. So, so overall, I would have to... I would say I agree with their assessments. I, I was I was underwhelmed with this particular effort. So, And, I, and I'm also underwhelmed by Roland oh. as a mascot... Uh, no, I like him as a mascot because I like I like that gimmick. I think that's kind of funny. Oh, I, I think that when you have a mascot, you have to have a certain bit of control over what he looks like and what he does. And the Amstrad uh, did not do that there, at all. There you go. There you go. So, what did you bring to the table, well, Mr. You know, Aaron? When this came around, I like I said I knew instantly what I was going to play because there's been a, a a piece of software in the news for a while, and this and this past. The past week or two, it's 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 been released. Yes, it's an Amstrad uh, title. Yes, and so I had to go for it, and so shield your eyes as I begin to play. You've got it, Pinball Dreams. Yes, Brent. Pinball Dreams. Absolutely. Now, now I would I would have felt like a doofus if I hadn't given this thing a whirl, especially uh, given my Amiga roots, where I played this game quite a bit. In fact, of all the uh, of all the uh, pinball games, this is this is one I'm fairly intimate with, uh, having played it for years and years and years. And I know you played it quite a bit too. Yep. So, uh, Pinball Dreams was never uh, uh, ported to the Amstrad. Of course not. No uh, madman would ever try. Not in their worst fever dream would they consider doing it. But the guys over at the Batman Group uh, said, "Oh, we're going for it," and so and they did. And so they began work on this thing. In October of 2016, and uh, and f- completed work just a couple weeks ago, uh, and, or, and released it uh, as a free download. Uh, the Batman Group is a group mostly known for their uh, demo yeah, stuff. Demo scene. Uh, the guys that I have, uh, guys that I have listed as having worked on this, and I'm sure, I know there was a slew of guys, but I have got Rhino, Tony Galvez, and the Batman himself was involved in, in, in this particular one. They also did a lot of Amiga demos. I just I, I wrote down some here to list them. 
they did. In fact, some of these are quite recent. Uh, and the most recent one I could find was Batman versus Bane. Oh. Always a good, always a good fight. Yeah, but check that out. Uh, you remember in the old animated series where Batman first met Bane? One of my favorite episodes. I love that one. Uh, then you've got uh, Posada's Party in, in in Vitro 2K19. That's May of 2019. They released that Batman versus Catwoman. Got to have that one in there. June 2018. Uh, Androgynous 05, which is a music demo, oh, uh, and okay. Nippon Taste from February 2015. So they and, and they've had a slew more. These are all I think these are all Mega uh, uh, demos. Uh, these are guys that are sort of all over the place, but uh, I, I found a little interview with them, the Batman group, and uh, uh, they're a group of friends. It says here they're mainly from the south of Spain, and so and they've been around since the early '90s, which is kind of cool. Uh, he's got a huge. I'm not gonna go through the list of guys that worked this, but it's like a ton of ton of people that were that are involved in that particular group. Sure. I was interested to see why they picked the name, and they all uh, thought Batman was pretty cool. <laughs> Batman is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so the interviewer here, I wish I'd, I don't know if I've wrote down where this interview came from. I'll, I'll, I'll put it up on the on the on the show notes. Uh, he asks, uh, uh, "What was why the CPC? Why the Pinball Dreams?" And the Batman group stated straight up that they they think that CPC doesn't have the rep it deserves as a gaming platform, and they were going and they were going to go to work at on, on it and. Uh, uh, try to port this over, sort of. A, I'm not gonna say this is an Amiga port, but I think that was what they used as their basis. Because of course, Pinball Dreams got released to a uh, to a ton, Quite a few of, ton of stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about the game itself. Uh, again, this is a free release, so if you've got an Amstrad or a good emulator, you can go get this right now. Yeah. So that, bear that and bear that in mind. I do believe this. They tried to get this as a boxed game. And I don't. I've not heard anything about that. Yeah, so my I, understanding was they they wanted to get this as a box game. I don't know if they couldn't get the license or they couldn't get uh, uh, distributed or how what it was. But uh, they at one time, yeah, this had, had, was planned to be a boxed release with the whole nine yards. I know the only the last I heard about the actual legality of it was that this was done with the consent of the team that did Pinball Dreams, but I can't say that was certain. Of course, the, that means almost nothing. Well, I, I yeah. mean, their blessing is nice. I think, no, I, mean, I think this is a legal release, I think. But I don't, again, don't hold me to that. Cause well, I, they, they release it as free. It's, right. So. Right. So, Pinball Dreams, uh, if you uh, are not familiar with it, was a, was a pinball game uh, that was released back in the day. Uh, it came out on the Amiga in 92. Yeah. And it was a... Uh, it was a revolution of, in pinball play. It was. It was I great. mean, when I first saw it, I could not freaking believe uh, the how impressive it was. And we both love pinball. As I look over at four pinball machines sitting over here, uh, we both and were pin, we're, we both pinball fans. Yes. And so uh, uh, even back then, we loved pinball. And so when this came out, it was sort of like playing pinball as opposed to like beep and boop uh, uh, pinball. It, that it you was got the first into. one to really get the physics close. If you think about um, early pin attempts at pinball, okay? And I'm talking your Atari pinballs. Sure. Or, uh, the Channel F had that pinball game, which was really more like a, a breakout-type game. Uh, the Odyssey had a, a real remedial pinball. And then you had your stuff like your pinball construction sets, your Dave's Midnight Magic, right? Those are, and don't get me wrong, I'm not killing these games, but you're, they're playing the hand they're dealt for the most yes. part. They were and, doing and, the best they could with what so, they had. 
the power of, of, of the 16-bit Amiga and, and its ilk and eventually the PC and Super Nintendo and everything else, all the stuff got poured to, were, you were required for a, a pinball game of that quality, or so we thought. So flash forward to today, where uh, this game, honed in view now, I had seen a video of this game, I had not uh, played it, and so I was sort of excited to play it. And sure. so I went through... And I played each table, and what I did was uh, I emulated the table, and then on my other TV, I actually put the uh, the uh, Amiga version up to compare it, the play field, and the, and sort of how the, how it felt, you know. So what you get on this, and I should say that the intro to this is awesome. Uh, it's just just exactly like the uh, Amiga intro with with a, with a more of a chip tuney sound yeah because you've got those uh, lower you know you've got the you're working with eight amps just got pretty good sound to be honest with yeah. you uh, which we'll get into that in a moment but the intro comes up i mean it's a dead on it's dead on it's like a lower res version of the amiga it's exactly the same everything's the same buttons the same everything when it comes up the music the uh, all the all the uh, intro stuff it's perfect so that right there i was like okay they at least paid attention to the details here then you've got your tables. Uh, you're go- you've got uh, ignition. Uh, you've got uh, steel wheel, beatbox, and nightmare. I'm gonna go through these in, in order as I played them, which I went right down the line. So ignition is a uh, is a rocket space themed uh, pinball machine that you that you uh, play. It's a beautiful uh, table. It's it's one of my favorites of the bunch, and you go through it. And you, uh, I went through and looked, compared how this stacked up against against the uh, uh, its Amiga brother. Now, what you've got here is the Amiga tables are very zoomed in, yeah. And you'll get about uh, oh, I don't third. know, a third of the screen scrolls. Yeah. And so on the Amstrad version, your the tables are smaller. They're they're uh, more delicate tables, if you will. Uh, and they're more, and they're more. The, you've got uh, empty space on the sides there because they just didn't spread it out the whole way. Right now, you'd think that would be um, irritating, and, and I swear to you, Brent. As sure as I'm sitting here, Pinball Dreams is my favorite of the pinball titles from 21st Century, and there's a reason. It's because it's the one that has the most real estate when you play. They because right. they've still got the old sort of uh, dot matrix display. And they've got uh, uh, more. There's there's le- there's more visible play field to me. <clears throat> and the Amstrad version gives you even more play field. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it is a, very easy to line up shots and have a grasp because when it comes to scrolling pinball, it's difficult. That's the one disadvantage is that when you try to line up shots at the top of the of the screen that are off screen. You're effectively lining them up off the visual targets that they have put on the screen that right. go there. Now, I will say, uh, the boys that originally did Pinball Dreams knew that, and they did a good job of lining stuff up for the most part to help you, to guide you to make those shots. I found the shot making in this uh, quite uh, easy, and I mean, in a good way, because I could line the shots up because I had more real estate. I could I could see more of the screen, all right? Um Something else that I was surprised is that the the tables and ignition is uh, no different than the other ones. I guess we sort of talk about all these at once in a weird way. Because one thing they all share is they're pretty much duplicates of the original tables. Oh yeah. When I mean duplicates, I yeah. mean I mean yeah. art. I mean lights. 
Uh, I did not go through. And, I didn't go through and trigger all the modes or anything. Oh, yeah. You know, I triggered. I did the best I could. You know, uh, but uh, the lights are there now. What they've had to do since they've since these tables aren't as uh, wide, what they've done is they've basically relabeled the lights uh, with in, basically initials instead of having like the full. The full word as to what they do, they have like initials in, in the thing, so you can so you can. Th that's the one thing you sacrifice is just there's not enough real estate to print the labels Absolutely. on the on the stickers. Uh, the uh, uh, as far as I can tell, the DMD at the top is uh, is identical. I couldn't see any difference in that, uh, and uh, so there's that. Now the second one here, you got Steel Wheel, which is a uh, sort of a cowboy type game. Uh, where you, uh, uh, you know, it's like the Old West. And then and then you've got Beatbox, which is sort of a music uh, uh, producing show. That's, Beatbox was probably my second favorite uh, of, the, of the tables. With And I think my top favorite was probably Nightmare, which is the last table, just because I think it's cool. It's, you know, it's horror, really. And I always thought that was kind of neat. I like that one. Uh, they did include everything from Nightmare, including the upside down crosses and all the stuff that was in the original. I was wondering if they were going to like, I should have known Batman group, but I could screw around. Right. You know? Faithful recreation. Um, so, one of the big aspects that made uh, Pinball uh, Dreams so good was the sound effects. Now, um, you're not going to get digitized sound effects like that on the Amstrad. So, what did they do? Well, what they did was the best they could. You've got great... The music on this was surprisingly good. I couldn't believe how good the music was, to be honest with you. Uh, the, I mean, what did you think of the tunes on this thing? It, they were good. Uh, I mean, they did a good job of sort of matching them up to the old the old tunes. I mean, you're not going to get that, that that Amiga, that rich Amiga sound, but I mean, it, it was it was a fun, chip toony tunes, I thought. Did, did you enjoy them? Well, here's the thing. Yeah. And, and I'm going to... Because my review of this sort of ties into what you're saying. Yeah. If some... Because I don't go and play Pinball Dreams every day. I probably haven't played Pinball Dreams for probably about a decade. I've played it... Honest. Before this came out, I'd played it in the last month. I do play it quite a bit. <clears throat> so if someone would have plopped this down in front of me and fired it up and said, have some Pinball Dreams, I would not... First of all, I would have never even fathomed that this was an Amstrad game for a multitude of reasons. I would have probably said that this is... Uh, uh, some kind of Amiga, maybe reduced quality to run on a 500 or something, which I think the original would play on them anyway. But I, I, I would have not said anything about the graphics. I would not have thought anything about the scrolling or the physics. None of that. I would have just said I would have played it, and I would have thought I was playing something that had existed for 30 years. The only aspect of this that I would have went, this, this doesn't remind me of what I've played in the past, is the sound. And yeah. it's because... They cannot... They, it was impossible to get that digitized sound from the Amiga, like you said. Yeah. Uh, the music, what they've put in in place of it, is really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. But it's not digitized sound. That's true. And that is the... For me, that is the only aspect that I would have went... I don't, I don't quite remember this game like this. Everything else, the way it plays, the way it looks, the way it feels, what is close enough for me that I would have been fooled into thinking I was playing a different version. Let me ask you a question here. How did you feel about flipper responsiveness? I thought it was fine. Now, see, I, uh, 
that's one area where I wonder. I had what I felt was a fairly significant by pinball standards delay. I didn't hitting, feel that at when all. When hitting the button and getting the flippers. That was my one big gripe. Now, it was easily anticipated. Uh, but I, for me, it felt... And, I, and the thing is, having ran this on an emulation... Uh, I'm not going to condemn this because I, I, I couldn't say for sure. And maybe if anybody in the chat room have played this, then you could comment if you felt like there was any uh, significant delay between hitting the button and doing the flippers. Uh, getting back to the music, there's it's funny. Digitized sound is a, is a mixed blessing when it comes to pinball because it gets abused a lot. You know what I mean? Of course. And you'll hear the same sounds you know, over and over and over. Sure. And, and, and in recent years, we came back, we both came from the virtual pinball area and future pinball where they... People were abused phrases from movies and stuff, and they're too long, you know, and it, yes. it overlaps. They didn't do that here. No. Uh, but um, the, I, I, it's funny. I actually, in some ways, I was pleasantly, I was I was happy with the music because it's a throwback. Uh, but I, the lack of sound effects were, for the most part, not a huge deal. No, I And agree. I will say that uh, uh, on the train level, for example, they simulate sort of a train whistle real well. Yeah, that's the one that really oh, got yeah. me. I thought that was really good. Um, the uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, my favorite of the bunch is still his nightmare. Uh, a lot of fun. The only thing I don't like about it's the launch. I never liked how it launches. I didn't like it in the original. It's just well, it just throws it. That, I, I that's like a game a, aspect. Listen, yeah. I like a proper launcher. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to rank these tables, in fact, I will say Beatbox doesn't play as well as the as Pinball Dreams. I didn't get as much enjoyment out of that. That's the one I thought was the biggest. That's the one I thought they came least close to getting right, and I don't know if it's because of the sound. I just didn't think I, beatbox. I, I've played well, an extensive amount. It was. I mean, now you've got to take all this. I'm not killing this because no, it's, but, this because is unkillable. What you're doing here is ludicrous. <laughs> yes, the fact that an eight-bit machine is playing this at this level, and we didn't even touch on the aspects of the actual physics of the ball. Oh, it's good. Now listen, I I resigned myself that when I played this. I was going to get some of this stuff where the ball would get caught on stuff, the ball would get lodged on stuff, the ball would come down like a, a weight a million pounds, you know, or you couldn't get any action. This game has the same merits and flaws from a physics perspective that the original Pinball Dreams yeah. does. Pinball Dreams, the balls, to me, the ball always felt heavy. You know what I mean? It does. In the original, in the original. Yes, I agree. And. They carried that same feeling. I thought they lightened the ball up substantially in the second uh, in pinball fantasies, uh, and I and I think to a detriment that, in my opinion. Well, I mean, they, I think it could have been lighted up a little bit. My point is, this uh, when they ported this over, they ported it over. It's they yeah. ported that physics over, and the physics felt very similar, yeah. didn't it? Absolutely. And one thing about uh, video pinball games. Especially when the ones you find on your Xboxes and your your really modern ones, they've got a thing where if you get the ball three fourths way up the ramp, eh, it's usually close enough and they'll push it on through. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I like when I shoot it up the ramp. If I don't get over the crest, the ball's coming back. Yeah. And that's it. It's little aspects like that that you might not think about that really pushes this beyond any because. There's no routine that says, if ball goes here, then do this. This is all, you know, programmed in physics, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Um, the uh, the physics, and with modern pinball, they've gotten in this bad, uh, they've gotten this bad habit of making the ball feel almost like a ping pong ball. Yes, It's super so light. light. Pinball ain't like that, y'all. 
it's I mean, like Brent said, the ball isn't going to travel all the way around the table every time. Right. It's not supposed to. These guys got it when they originally yep. did this, and, and Batman Group got it too. And I, that was I give them full props. So if you had to rank these in terms of which ones you liked on this particular offering, which how would you rank these? Nowhere up? near yours. I love Steel Wheel. Okay, that's my that would probably be my number one, and then Ignition Nightmare Beatbox. Okay, I would probably go uh, Nightmare uh, Steel Wheel. Ignition beatbox. I would say beatbox. And the thing is, beatbox is my favorite. Uh, you know, well, my second favorite. It's right near the top in terms of the actual. I don't know. That was the one. I did. And the thing is, I can't sit here and pinpoint what I didn't like about it. I just didn't like. It didn't flow well for yeah. me for whatever reason. Uh, but a triumph, an absolute triumph. This is uh, the Batman group have have done the impossible. They really have. You know? Can you imagine if this released in like 1985? Oh my God! It would have been a. <laughs> It would have been a, it would have been a million if seller. You can, if you think about the game we just played, and you and then you say, "Oh yeah, this came off on that same system," it, it makes your brain melt. Yeah, you know. It so does. now I will say one thing I learned this week, having to uh, uh, get this thing running on emulation, is that this does require extended memory. Yes, I do know that now. Yeah. Well, you just get I, the, you I'm not it jacked yeah, up. Yeah, I did, but guys. I'm not. Sa- if I've got an Amstrad, I'm not savvy enough. You know, on the Amiga, like for example, the Amiga 1000, you got your 256 uh, mega memory, and then you and you uh, uh, you need that expansion, you know, K. And so, it, but it all they all came with them. So I don't know how common. My point is, I don't know how common memory expansion in the Amstrad were. I don't know if it's something oh, they yeah, ship no with. Idea. I don't know if it was super expensive. I mean, like Amiga, they got memory expansions coming out the yin yes. You know. Yeah. So I don't. So I don't know how big a, a deal a memory expansion is. But if you consider that there's no, you don't need a processor expansion. You don't need a video expansion. You don't right. need any sort of physics expansion or an MPEG card. All you need is memory. This is an absolute triumph. It and, is. And the word on the street from the Batman group was they that at the peak of this uh, of pinball dreams on the Amstrad. They still were only using about fifty percent of the processing power of the Which Amstrad. Is incredible. That goes to show you that, uh, uh, given the amount of time it would take and the amount of effort, you could really do some remarkable stuff. Yeah. And I've got a feeling this might usher in a new wave of Amstrad love. I, that would be awesome. I, I would love, like I said that at the beginning of the show, my my this was my beginning taste. Of the Amstrad, yeah, and I can see where the games run both sides of the gamut. I would love to dig into this and find all those little nuggets that are just awesome. Yeah, this. Well, I mean, this. You're not going to see this uh, come down the pike e- every day. This is this is a true. My hats off to them. You know, there are there are some of these independent like demo groups that do good work. You know, and you don't and they're unsung. And I look at, like guys like the guys over at the company for the Amiga that do this sure. stuff. Uh, uh, for example, but and some of these demo guys and, and gamers uh, dudes end up being some of the best game makers. You know, a lot of demo guys go in to do games. Well, you've got to know the system, and yeah. they know the system. But the man. fact that these guys did this uh, in in 2019 is, I think, is uh, remarkable. It and they're, is. they're getting showered with praise and glory, and they should because they're they're um, quite amazing. You got a couple of user reviews. On I this do, one? I do. The dunk uh, lit lit up uh, the the board with this review. He said, "Awesome." The CPC yep. is never going to match the Amiga on graphics and sound capabilities, but it does Ooh, its be- <laughs> very best here. The gameplay is spot on, however. Everyone who has history with an 8-bit machine needs to play this. 10 out of 10. A, 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 a major review. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Graham says, It's unfortunate this game took so long for me to get working. 
I couldn't get it to work on any emulator other than the retro virtual machine. And I, I'll admit, I, uh, part of it for me was just learning. I don't know if Graham has an extensive Amstrad background. I don't. And so I had to just figure out how to like load stuff. But once well, I figured were, out a way... There were walkthroughs. Uh, the game... That's what I used. I only had one table demo of the ignition. It plays very well. It's smooth. The animations are great. The ball moves and reacts like pinball. The tables look great. The sounds are appropriate. It would have been a real hit back in the day, 8 out of 10. I, su- I suggest you that if Graham gets to play the entirety of the game without limited pain, he will probably knock that, that score, score up. Yeah. Knock that score up a notch. So this, <laughs> I thought this was a, a, a real winner and a, a, one of those games that are going to go down into history. Like this is, I mean, these guys made their name. I mean, they were known, but now they're, you know, they're something. Yeah. And and the fact that they gave this game away, and that may have been part of the deal for uh, uh, for being able to do the uh, the port. I mean, right. I guess they could have done it. No one would have probably said anything. But I don't know how. You know, I don't know how they handled that, it. You know, when it comes to that legal stuff, you never yeah, know. You never know. If this group said, "Hey, we're going to make an original property for the Amstrad. Yeah. Give us some money." <laughs> I bet they're going to get it now. Well, and uh, and I think they could do an incredible some incredible stuff. I don't know if these guys take donations or anything. But I'll, I'll throw it out there, Batman group. Uh, if you're if you're if, if you're uh, taking donations for your next Amstrad offering, and these guys keep in mind, these guys are Amiga demo guys. So hey, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing you bring a little of that sweet action my way, <laughs> you know, brothers. I hey, like they ba- can port this to the. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah. I'm a big Batman fan. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with that. But yeah, I'd like to see this come down the line. So with that in mind, Brent, uh, we will move along from uh, the spinning ball to the spinning wheel. It's time. All right, to spin it, the it's wheel. sort of like a. Uh... A uh, spinner target. Well said. It took you a second there, but you got it spinner out. Spinner targets now, are hard. T- fans, and, and it's a it's a double miracle this week. The Batman group did that, and Brent made new wheel pieces, folks. We've got both the uh, Dick Smith and movie games added to the wheel. All right. Here we go. Try not to kill yourself oh, tonight. Oh. There we go. All right. Normally, you always pick one of the new things. So let's see if that happens yet again. Not today, folks. Oh, Brent, what do we got? We have uh, movie games? Movie games. All right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I see some flim flammery. Movie games was on the wheel twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's not flim flammery. That's Brent screw uppery is what that is. That, that means it's destined. Thank God we don't have, we, there's not real money being bet on this. You're an idiot. You've done it again. So what are the rules of movie games, Brent? It's got to be a game based on a movie. Oh, well, that makes sense to me. So, across any platform or system throughout history and time? That's correct. Why not? Does, is there any type of movie in particular or just any movie, any no, film? It's, it's all good. Holy smokes. Movie games. Yeah. That, that, that's, I know what I'm playing. Already, you yeah, know? Oh, my God. I'm afraid to ask with you because you, your picks are always goofy and oddball. Um, so, uh, in case you uh, didn't hear, uh, we record this here show every Sunday morning. 9 a.m. local time. We start around 8.30, warm up a little bit, opening act stuff. Then we come out and do the big show. Then there's a meet and greet after. <laughs> That's the way we do it. Now, you know, we've batted around what to do with uh, putting this show up. Of course, we're always available in podcast format. Uh, and the podcast is, it cuts out the garbage and you get, get some meat of the show. You're, it's a good deal. Get in, get out, clean. In fact, last week's podcast, I edit, edited in stuff that we forgot to say on the actual show. Beep. Seamlessly, so you'll never know. Uh, but we have been debating what to do with our live show versus our cut-up show. Well, since I'm producing this on the fly, cut-up show gone. 
we're just putting this up. It'll be posted as soon as the show's over. Uh, I'll put a timestamp on there. So if you want to skip the intro stuff and just go directly to the show, you just go to that. Easy done deal. And, yep. that's, and that's how we're going to do it going forward. So no more double posting the show every week. I got tired of it. So screw yeah. it. It makes any sense. Uh, so that's how we're going to play. Now, Brent, let people know uh, once again about your thanks for giving Marathon what they need to do to contact Absolutely. us. Absolutely. If you are a Patreon, uh, you should have uh, seen a new post on the Patreon page requesting you to send in pie piece ideas for us for our thanks for giving a marathon that will take place uh, the last Friday of November, which I believe is the 29th? Day after Thanksgiving in America. That's all I know. <clears throat> so, uh, what we're requesting, one pie piece, it can be a computer, it can be a genre of game, it can be games with red in the title, absolutely anything. Go nuts. We have plenty of plain Jane pieces. We want some crazy pieces to have a lot of fun on the Thanksgiving Marathon. And if we have, what if you if we have a system that you're offering that your wheel offering exists on we're going to use the actual systems right here on the show yeah we're going to use as many live systems as possible i'll be toting stuff in from the main house out here we're going to have it's going to be console and computer mania run a while so you can contact us at the address above the arg presents at mail.com or you can private message one of us on discord or you can respond to the patreon post on the patreon page and we will get your wheel selection. If, for some reason, your wheel selection does not come up during the Thanks for Giving Marathon, it will stay on the wheel until it does come up. Uh, please have the submissions in before October 31st. That's when our deadline is. Now, let me ask you a question here, since I'm sort of, I'm not fully in the loop here. How are, how are we going to, so we're going to put the people's selections on the wheel or spin it, and just go keep playing until we split, we play them all? Is that how well, it's going to work? Well, now each piece is going to get about 30 minutes of play. Yeah. Uh, so if we have more pieces than we have time for, like I said, they're just going to stay on the wheel. We're going to get to them eventually in a regular episode. You know, the true miracle of this show will be the fact that Brent will have to print up a bunch of pie pieces before, the, true. before the end of November. That's stunning. What, a stunning. That, oh. That's why I wanted a, a full month to get ready. <laughs> uh, any more announcements you want to throw out? Uh, Brent, uh, Brent will be spearheading. He's the one-man show, spearheading our, our new uh, merchandising a cavalcade. It's yes. gonna be it's gonna be awesome. What do you got in store for us, Brent? You gotta have some doilies, some some pot holders, uh, candle warmers. What do you got? I am looking into producing enamel pins. Ooh, pins. Um, the problem is, I think the cost is going to be higher than the community is going to be willing to pay. But I'm going to get to you, talk to you guys about that and see what you think. Instead of enamel, can we use like a uh, hot glue? Well, like yeah. That. I mean, I could just put my thumbprint on a how about, bunch of them. And how about wax? <laughs> That'll work, won't it? We can afford wax, can't we? First hot day, just melts on everybody. <laughs> so, all right. We'd like to thank we'd like to thank our good buddy the Bark Bit who does our closing tune. Yes, we got to thank it's our, awesome. We got to thank the uh, phenomenal Duncan Styles. I don't know how I never made that comment before. That's AJ Styles' nickname. Who, who did our awesome crazy Tron like gimmicks? Our cool intro. He's doing it all, and you should see the he thing does. he's got hooking oh, for I, it. I've yeah, seen did you see it. that it thing? It was awesome. Duncan's like some kind of professional gimmick dude now, which is that's quite a title. I love it. So, join us next week. Also, our <laughs> resident reviewer Graham W. Vetke, always good for a review. Thank you. Well, did, you did you jump right into my closing segment? Oh, yeah. What I are don't, you doing? Just, just get out. You I'll do the rest why don't of the you show. close the show? Go ahead. Bye, everybody. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>